Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Benita Friderici from Shock, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. The God of God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, and now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 99. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are absolutely excited to be here tonight. we got a lot of good sci-fi. There's a lot of good stuff happening. We've had a lot of finales hit. We've had some shows canceled. We're going to talk about maybe some of the canceled shows, but we won't talk about the finales toward the listener episode because that one is not going to be spoiler-free. We're going to spoil things up and down, but we're going to try not to spoil things in this show except to give you the news and our thoughts on some of the things that are out there. Mm -hmm. So really cool, really excited about it. Miles, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We are slowly encroaching on show 100, man. I know. I can't believe it. Yeah, one more show. So two weeks from now, we record show 100, Mm -hmm. and we have an awesome prize to give away. We won't mention that now, but um, listen up in the next uh, few minutes. We'll be giving that to you. You can find out a little bit more about that, and we want to hear your thoughts. Hey, we would love to hear if you want to call in and say, hey, Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, happy 100th episode. We would love to hear that. Yes, it would be nice. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. episode 100 coming up in two weeks. You can call us at 1-888-508-4343 or email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Hmm. All right. Very cool. So let's jump into stuff, Miles. The menu tonight, we have a hot menu tonight. We do. And it is a spicy menu because we have Benita Frederici. We're inter- we think we're pronouncing that name right. <laughs> she pronounces it later on. But um, we have her on the menu tonight. We're going to share that interview. We actually didn't get a chance to interview, but we sat in on the interviews with Paul Fisher and Wayne, um, and they're going to interview her. And there might be some other people. Uh, Nick, I think, is in on it. And So there's a couple people interviewing her, but we were a part of the interview process. We just went right there. And I think we have a bumper, and I played that at the beginning of the show anyways. So um, we do have our 100th episode contest. We'll give you – we're going to talk about the Alcatraz trailer. I'm going to bet it into the show, and Wow. When I watched this, wow, wow, wow. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, Walking Dead rumors that you shouldn't believe. Jewel State talks about the Starkate franchise. Pilots of shows that you will never see, which, of course, you're always interested in shows you will never see. Smiles, smiles. Yeah, Smallville plot points. It didn't turn out exactly as planned. Um, the first Conan trailer absolutely rocks. 
And boy, does it absolutely rock. And uh, we're going to talk about that. You watched that, didn't you? I had not seen the, the, the uh, Conan trailer yet. Oh, you have to. We're going to have to stop the show and you have right. to watch that at that point. Uh, the twist, we're going to talk about the next generation in HD, Crystal Allen on Life After Trek, and a new Star Trek animated series, question mark. Mm-hmm. And in the Sci-Fi sci- 5 and 5, we're going to give you the top five mantras in sci-fi, mostly according to me. And it sounds like a good lineup. We have a lot of good news to share and obviously the interview, which is going to be awesome. Absolutely. So, Miles, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about what we have in our contest this week. There's not really a trivia, a little bit different, but tell us about it. Well, for, our, for to make things special for our 100th episode, we're asking you, our listeners, what do you think are some um, top moments in, in, in your listening of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast? It could be something that Scott and I talked about. It could be something that happened in our interviews. Um Anything, and uh, we've gotten some good submissions so far, and so um, these absolutely are, these are prizes we're offering. Uh, third prize is a Mercury Men poster. The um, second prize, and I hope I'm pronouncing the last name right, uh, Benita Free to see a signed print, and uh, our friends from Think Geek uh, were kind enough to give us another hundred dollar gift uh, card. The first prize is a hundred dollar gift card from Think Geek, and if you have been on their site, they have some awesome stuff and some so, awesome swag and some awesome loot that mm-hmm. that'll just. Satisfy your sci-fi fantasies. Yes. Uh, at least mostly. <laughs> <laughs> at least mostly. So, yeah. So if you want to win one of these prizes, you just got to give us your top moment. Right. Exactly. So just let us know what you your favorite moment in the sci-fi diner so far. And I know it's going to be Miles' melodious voice. That is the favorite <laughs> moment. But, um, uh. you know, we just want to hear from you. And you can let us know. And you can drop you can call us at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three if you're in the U.S. If you're outside the U.S., we still love to hear your voice. Just send an MP three to the Sci Fi Diner Podcast at gmail dot com, and you can, of course, just email us, right, or Twitter us, mm-hmm. Sci Fi Diner, and so all that stuff will get there in one entry per person. And um, we are getting some really good submissions, as you said. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, let's move into our first promo tonight, and our first promo is for The Slice of Sci-Fi. Now, these guys, if you never checked out their podcast, you have, I know, but if you never checked out their podcast, they bring some great interviews. They've interviewed Stan Lee, um, a lot of other notable, David Blue from Stargate Universe. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of notable actors at the interview. They do a listener feedback show, or a voicemail show, they call it, and they're really professional-sounding podcasts, and they're real fun to listen to. Right. They're very good. So check it out. They, and they do some stuff more science-oriented sometimes, which we, we don't believe in science. No, of course We're, not. Just, just fiction. Just, we don't believe like the fiction part of That's it. That's right. <laughs> no science, just fiction. Let's call it fantasy. I don't know. Yeah, I know. All right. So this is their promo. Is the long drive to work getting you down? Do you feel like the other drivers want to run you off the road and beat you with the tire iron of life? Relax. Take a break. And let the fun of sci-fi news geeking ease your drive time woes. Slice of sci-fi. It's not as good as having a stormtrooper on your hood, but it's close. Sliceofsci-fi.com Welcome back to the podcast. Tonight, we have basically TV news and movie news. No DVD reviews, no comic book news. No. Not, maybe, not, maybe next week. Maybe or next, next week, week. something will be out. Yeah. Maybe on the dessert menu. They got two desserts this week, Miles. Yeah, I, I, I thought about um, 
it would just be one big dessert, but uh, we had to kind of serve it a little slowly. Right, right. Well, you, you wanted a Trek dessert anyways. And the, the story of that goes, for those of you that noticed that we have two dessert menus this week, was Miles may have sent both of them, but I only noticed one of them at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I released one, and Miles goes, uh, there's a second part to that. And it ended up being all about Trek, so it worked out fine. Right. It sounded good. Right, and um, you sent it is a wonderful uh, service, but... Um, if the file gets too big, then they start charging. So yeah, you send it, meaning the service you send it, right? Yeah, it's called yeah. it's you send it It's right. like yeah. Well, let's get into our news. Um, the Alcatraz trailer. Oh. On March 21, 1963, Alcatraz officially closed. All the prisoners were transferred off the island. Only that's not what happened. Not at all. Secrets around here. There's nothing but secrets. Something terrible is going to happen here. Radio the station. Tell them to send everyone. 302 men disappeared that night. They were never seen or heard from again. Until now. Mr. Sylvain, there is a key in your pocket. Take it to the North Beach Recreation Center. Everything you need is there. Dr. Diego Soto? I'm way smarter than I look. You ever do any research on an inmate named Jack Sylvain? Jack Sylvain disappeared from Alcatraz in 1963. Traffic ham caught this last night. Jack Sylvain. 85 years young. You know I don't believe a word of that, right? I want to think a little more three-dimensionally. The worst criminals this country has ever known are coming back. No one's going to be able to find them because they don't exist. Holy crap, you got to come see this. It's all their stuff. Jack's death certificate. And look who signed it. Robert Kennedy. You can have anything you want. Give me the bag. The bag. The soft black bag. You're implying that he was told to do this. I didn't think I was implying it. I thought I was saying it. I want the truth. Come work for me. Yes, of course. Yes. Good. Wouldn't want to have to kill you. <gasps> this season. Jack Sylvain was just the beginning. They're all coming back. All of them. The secret of America's most infamous prison. What happened to you, Jack? I only did what they told me. But who told you? Will finally be unlocked. You knew this was going to happen. You've been waiting for this. A very, very long time. Welcome to Alcatraz. Oh you watched this. Yes, I Tell did. me your thoughts. Um, I'm definitely going to be watching this show. <laughs> I, I, you know, again, it's going to depend on the writing, but I'm going to tell you, that trailer looks darn good. Uh, the well, premise of it's interesting. Sam Neill. Sam Neill. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. And he's going to be in a regular TV series. Yeah. Um, and, and, and JJ, I mean, uh, there's very little he does wrong. So um, Undercovers didn't do real well. But that's the exception. Most yeah, of- and Super 8 doesn't appeal to me. Uh, we might see something different in the theater, but yeah. I'm not planning on going to see that one in the theater. But 
I am planning on seeing Alcatraz. But this this looks very interesting. It's a, you know um, what happened to all these Alcatraz prisoners and they're in their in modern day and um, it, it looks. Folks, you just got to watch the trailer. It's you know, thanks to Brady for sharing us uh, the, the trailer with us on Facebook. But it, it's absolutely awesome. Charlie Jade's in it. Yeah, the when, act- I, when I saw him, when I saw him standing, I'm like, I know that actor from somewhere. Yeah. That's what I was doing. And I said, okay, I have to look it up. So I typed in Alcatraz. Sure enough, Jeffrey Pierce, who played who plays Jack Sylvan uh, in this, is also also played Charlie Jade in Charlie Jade, which of course we just did our whole review episodes or, mm-hmm. or uh, flashback episodes. What do we call those? Sci-Fi Rewind episodes of those. And he's also the T-888 that kills Brian Green in the last episode of us. Uh, Sarah Chronicles. Oh, yeah. 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 Boy, talking about it, he's a water boy coming out of the blue and... That's one dangerous water boy. That is. That <laughs> is. And he looks dangerous, too. Even yeah, from the... Can- He's got the look that could play both a good guy or a bad guy. Even in Charlie Jade, he played a very cold and calculated character sometimes, and he did that pretty well. He, he's not your traditional good guy in that yeah. show. No, but uh, quite a handsome man, if I might say so myself. Well, um, I, I guess we know who has a, a guy crush. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't tell it to anyone. <laughs> I, I won't, if, if you don't mention it to anyone, I won't mention it to anyone. Even though we're recording this right now, it'll be out there. Go ahead. Take, take us into our next bit of news before I get myself totally embarrassed and in trouble. Too late, right? Go ahead. You're in trouble. Robert <laughs> Herkman says, don't believe those Walking Dead uh, uh, rumors. Uh, remember all those rumors that The Walking Dead was going to use all freelance writers for a second season instead of a full-time writing staff? A source would know says not to believe them. In an interview with Heat Vision, Walking Dead comic book creator uh, Robert Kirkman said the reports of showrunner uh, Frank uh, Darabont using all freelance writers to write the show and not having any full-time writers on the payroll are wrong. We have full writing staff, explains Kirkman. There are three full-time staff writers and a freelance writer, uh, Evan Riley from Rescue Me, uh, Scott Gimple, Flash Forward, and Angela King, uh, Terror. And um, goes on to say... Uh, as for what else to expect from the second season, which uh, Kirkman says will start shooting in a few weeks, he revealed, will not actually, will, well, not much actually, Kirkman would need to confirm or deny whether we'll see uh, Michael Rooker's uh, Merle again, nor we say we'll see uh, Jennifer, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Jenner, uh, Noah America uh, w- whispered to Rick Andrew Lincoln in the season finale, although he said we will find out, out what it was. Uh, Kirkman also said that having uh, Stephen King and his son uh, Joe Hill collaborate on a script the show has been discussed a little bit, and, and everyone's excited about it, but we would not definitely say whether it is happening. There's uh, more to the interview from Kirkman on a comic book adaptation coming to TV, so it's worth a read. But in the meantime, are you expecting big things for Season 2 of The Walking Dead? What about what would you like to see again? What would you like to see happen next uh, 13 episodes when they be airing uh, this fall? Well, a couple things here. First of all, 13 episodes is a lot better than six episodes. I know. After after it was over, I wanted more. Yeah, it was it was just good. Hard to watch at times, but very good. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. What am I expecting from Walking Dead? Well, they, they've set the bar pretty high for a zombie movie. They're yeah. going to have to keep it high. It's, and it, it's a, zombie movies have been notoriously cheesy at times. Sure. And, and uh, they have set the bar for some really serious drama happening in a zombie movie. Exactly. They, they made their story to be a serious human survival story. I mean, I, it's not that it's humor, but it, 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 it almost – I don't want to say it takes itself too seriously, but it takes itself seriously in that it's um, 
you know, it's meant to be, um, you know, just a straight, you know, straight drama in some ways. Yeah. And now I have a question. The guy at the end, the scientist, ends up blowing up the building and he stays inside at the end right. of that. Um, is he the same guy that is in The Truman Show that is Jim Carrey's friend? I'm not sure. Too long. Too long ago that you no, saw that. Yeah, it's okay. 10 years ago. I think now. it is, but I could probably look it up, and I'm not going to take the time because mm-hmm. I'm not that interested in finding out. But I just thought it was interesting. A good show. Well worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know. Are you going to be watching Walking Dead when it comes on? Because I know that Miles and I are thinking about it. Oh, oh yeah. I maybe mean, maybe it's more than thinking. We definitely. And I wonder when it's going to start. Like They started that November, right? Something it, like that? It was like November it started and then went to November to December. Are they going to start like September now because of the 13-episode arc show? I'm not sure, but the first episode aired Halloween of, of this past yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if they'll do that again as kind of the – That would Halloween. be kind of a nice launching point for a zombie movie mm-hmm. like that. Jewel State um, was asked how she felt about Stargate's end because this is the end of a franchise. We went off the air last Monday. This mm-hmm. Uh, Monday a week ago, and it was the end of a franchise because sure. there's no Stargate plan for TV at this point, mm-hmm. um, at least for a little bit. And Jules State was kind of asked how she felt about it. And the question was, how are your feelings about Stargate's franchise coming to an end? Honestly, and this is what she said, honestly, I can't really believe it's actually over. I've been lucky enough to be a part of, uh, of a lot of cast and crews over the years, but I can truly say I've always looked back to my time at SGA, Stargate Atlantis, with a special kind of fondness. The show that was a total dream job for me, shooting in my hometown, sleeping in my own bed every night, working with fabulous and hilarious cast and crew who made me laugh on an hourly basis, being handcuffed and kidnapped in woods. Well, maybe not so much that last part. Truthfully, I was accepted with open arms into that family, and I will always be so incredibly grateful and proud to be a part of it. I hope that the fans are proud, too. All those seasons on television, they helped get produced. Without them, it, would have gone, it wouldn't have gone on as long as it did, and I really hope they know that. It's their show more than it was ever ours, and I'm just thankful I got along for the ride. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, now th- this is something I'm happy about. I was looking at uh, Netflix streaming, and they do have at least season one of, uh, of SG-1. I had mentioned on the Facebook fan page, I think I'm going to start start watching uh, Stargate from the beginning. Oh, and well worth seeing from the beginning. You have to make it through. The first couple seasons are going to be um, uh, kind of rough to get through because of the the special effects are a bit cheesy, but I could forgive that probably. Yeah. Well, you know, Stargate SG One mm-hmm. spawn and, and SG, I guess Stargate Atlantis, which is what she was on. Jace, that was the break for Jason uh, Momoa, right? And I mean, he he later went on to being Game of Thrones. It's currently in Game of Thrones, and now he has Conan coming out. Mm-hmm. And boy, does he rock in Conan! Again, we're going to stop and watch. We the saw him at the side. Uh, he was the last Jerry was at Shirley. We had a brief mm-hmm. picture with him, and then right. we didn't get a chance to interview him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tall guy, tall guy, mm-hmm. very tall guy. Yeah, but very cool. So awesome. Well, Miles, take us into this next story. Well, this, these are thirty sci-fi, fantasy, and horror series you won't be seeing this fall. Uh, and, and from some of the stuff I saw on this list, some of it I was glad, some of it maybe I wish I'd like to have, maybe they, they would have seen. So we almost got to see The Dark Tower, Wonder Woman, and a new Charlene uh, uh, Harris paranormal series this fall. We've been hearing a lot of the last couple of days about pilots the networks have picked up, but except for a few high-profile possibilities like Wonder Woman, not so much about those that didn't, but there are plenty more series based over that. Over than that, according to the New York New York Magazine, the, the networks were pitched thousands uh, of series for the latest season, and those bought scripts for 429 of them. Of those we've called uh, of 30, seem they would have contained sci-fi, fantasy, and horror elements. Check them out and see uh, whether you're thinking they think the, t- the big TV brains made a mistake, 
and that they should have picked up one of these rather than uh, Grimmer Once Upon a Time. And um, uh, the first one is ABC. I want some called Human. Uh, alien being occupies a person's body. Not given any more information than that. Uh, ghost World. A couple can see future and uh, supernatural worlds. Um, another one they had was uh, Inhuman. Great criminals have been psychologically cloned, and investigators must find them. Now, that, that would have been interesting. Yeah, I, none of those really jump out at me, though. No. I'm not. That, that's fine. CBS had an untitled Larry... Kaplow Project, which is time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, CBS also had an untitled Matthew Fetterman and Steven Scalia uh, Project, which also had time travel, so a lot of time travel stuff. An untitled Cam Miller Project based on Charlie, Charlene Harris's Harper Connolly Mysteries, which Harper speaks to the dead. Untitled Susan Grant Project, Serge takes the instruction from his dex, dead ex-wife. Yeah, none of those. Mm-hmm. Not, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox had... We're considering these, uh, an untitled Kevin uh, Cecil and uh, Andy Riley project, uh, 50s family travels to present day. That would have been fun, at least for a few episodes. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And that, that, that would have you know, at, least, at least checked it out. Uh, no one's called fail. Siblings are beaten down by life as their father uh, narrates from beyond the grave. Yeah, that's a fail right there. Yeah, <laughs> that, it failed. Yeah. <laughs> Magical law, a legal supernatural procedural. Um, Untitled Rick uh, Ide Project, uh, uh, ambitious DEA is aided by a ghost. Um, um, Black uh, Chapter, CIA unit uses a paranormal means. Um, That could have been interesting. Uh, Untitled David Hover Project, prosecutor finds herself caught between uh, two realities. And second one, smokers, uh, alien exterminators in space. That sounds like Saturday B-movie reel all the way. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Alien exterminators called smokers. Come on. NBC had an untitled... Uh, Momandel Project, Meteors Headed for Earth. I can't see that lasting very long. Mm-hmm. Emerald City, a group of New York 20-somethings, each character from The Wizard of Oz. Well, that could have been interesting. Wonder Woman, of course, we already had a lot of talk about that. Oh, Boy, yeah. our Facebook page go ballistic. I don't even think it's on the listener feedback show, but it should be. SFX, Special Effects House, works with CIA to solve crimes. Um, Untitled Brian Fuller Project, modern-day version of The Munsters. No. Uh, it doesn't appeal to me. Um, and I like Brian Fuller, but not in that. Untitled uh, Michael Green Project, Cops Use Artificial Intelligence, Mission to Mars, NASA-like agency plans a trip. That could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Untitled Mark Frost Project, Cop with Artificial Intelligence. Uh, wow, they dropped a lot here. A Sand, Men, Inception-like show about dreams. Vines, horror show set in a winery. <laughs> that sounds bad right there. Yeah. Nine Lives, Supernatural Thrill about people who have near-death experiences. The Dark Tower, of course, based on Stephen King's novels, which was not picked up, unfortunately. Echoes, um, a young woman, when touching an object, experiences the thoughts of people who've touched it before. We've seen stuff like that before, but that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, zombies versus vampires. Human zombies and vampires all coexist. Maybe. The, the, yeah, we, we sort of have that with... Uh, Walking Dead a little bit. And being human. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so... so those are those are some things you will not be seeing on TV next yes, season. Yes, and probably thankfully show so mm-hmm. show so whatever. Go ahead. Let's move on into Smallville stuff. And this is not is this spoilery? I don't think this is too spoilery. No, this is not. These are this is the title of the article: uh, Nine Smallville Plot Points That Didn't Turn Out Exactly as Planned. Yeah. So we aren't really giving anything here. Although, yeah. If we see anything spoilery, we'll just announce spoiler alert. Go ahead. So this is what they tell us. Uh, Tonight we bid farewell to one of the most uh, character-driven shows in sci-fi history. The story of the coming age of a young Superman is almost complete, and we all have to say it has wrapped up pretty darn well. Pieces of it have been fitting together so smoothly, it's difficult to believe these story arcs weren't planned from the beginning. But the following things about the Smallville 
was always a work of progress and, and could have ended up in a different direction and stranger direction. Uh, Smallville was, was originally about Batman. Uh, producers initiated pitched the uh, Superman series about a coming-of-age Bruce Wayne. Nobody wanted to air a show about some kids' uh, parents getting whacked, so producers <laughs> retooled it into the Clark Kent teenage drama we know and love today. An even better reason why the Batman series was, was shelved was the movies. Uh, Warner Brothers was quite concerned that a Batman teenager show would step on the toes of this upcoming uh, Batman Begins movie franchise reboot. Frankly, probably probably right. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go with that one. Yeah. Uh, Margot Kidder was originally cast as the main villain in season four. The plan was elegant. The Lois Lane actress from the original series, who still looks pretty hot, would come into Smallville as a villain. Not just any Freak of the Week villain, but a huge baddie that would take an entire season to bring down. We sure would have been great if only we lived in a world where everything didn't always get derailed by awfulness. So what happened? Tragedy. Crystal Reeve, another cherished actor who made a guest appearance in Smallville, passed away. Rather than crown the legacy by having Margot Kidder make an attempt to hurt the new Superman, producers agreed that her role should be softened. So Kidder's character got steered away from the, her rise to villainy. Villainy Instead, Kidder producers introduced a surprising rivalry between Clark Kent and Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. See, I'm sorry they didn't keep her on. They kind yeah. of killed, they, I remember they killed her character off, and that would have been nice to have somebody from the Superman movies maybe be a kind of a, have a reoccurring role in the Smallville. Yeah. Uh, the show was originally going to be filmed entirely in Australia. We just don't see it. The lush Vancouver filmed greenery makes the towns of Smallville so eye-popping. It's hard to believe that producers could have won a place known for its uh, dry stretches. But according to Smallville, the, the official companion of season one, Australia was the original choice for filming. We've had to be missing something because we're just not sure how it would have worked. Lost made up for the difficulty of filming in Hawaii by using landscape to convey a strange land, but it's uh, not like Australia affords many of those lush, multi-tiered landscapes. We think maybe New Zealand, the location of For Lord of the Rings, might have been a better choice. However, Vancouver works great. Smallville is beautiful, even if it's a distance from Metropolis, changes in every episode. Yeah. Well, I don't – that doesn't bother me either way, but they're probably probably made a better choice in Vancouver. It kind of looks like someplace in the Midwest, which is Which where, is what you expect Smallville to be. Yeah. Martha Kent was originally Cynthia Ettinger. When we say originally, we don't mean she was the producer's first choice. We mean the pilot was originally filmed with Ettinger as Kyle's adopted mom. However, Ettinger when, and everyone else apparently agreed that it just wasn't working. So Annette O'Toole was brought in as a new Martha Kent. And I'm kind of glad. Mm-hmm. And the scenes that featured Ettinger were refilmed with O'Toole. Hey, it's hard to figure out which actress will be the most believable picking up an alien baby. Well, I, I'm glad they, uh, yeah. they had Annette O'Toole. Uh, the Watchmen set became available. Uh, one good surprise happened in the series last season when sets from the movie Watchmen became available to Smallville. The ninth, episode, uh, ninth season episode, Pandora, focused heavily on Lois Lane's visions of an apocalyptic future. The true magnitude of impending doom wasn't fully presented until viewers glimpsed a, a magnificently devastated, bombed-out town under a red sun. These revelations present a big point in the season-long uh, story arc. Clark changes his mind from fighting Zod, the villain who is to bring about the destructive future. Kent realized the scope of Zod's power and decides to make friends with him instead. The whole apocalyptic future setting was insanely cool and let us know exactly what Zod was planning to do. Zod was always meant to be a, the main villain, but without the uh, Watchmen set frightening us into submission, he wouldn't have seemed half as scary. Yeah, and those future episodes were pretty awesome. I did watch some of those. Mm-hmm. No, I, that, that story a lot. Yeah. 
Producers abandoned the Freak of the Week formula, which they had started out with the first couple seasons. Mm -hmm. The initial format of Smallville, with exception, was to introduce a baddie each episode who would be defeated by the end. Producers called this Freak of the Week, and the show's initial success meant the formula could have lasted an entire run. It wasn't until fans cried out for more information on the human side of Clark and Lana that producers abandoned the format. This this geared Smallville directly toward the character-driven plot lines this is known for today. Having a bad guy to fight every week is cool, but it harkens to the old days of children's TV shows and comic books. Sophisticated multi-episode plot was exactly what the older Superman fans were hungry for. It's impossible to know for sure how long a Monster of a Week show would have lasted, but it's more fun to watch Clark fight monsters of adolescence. Hmm. And that's true. Uh, Batman and Wonder Woman. Smallville loves to excite fans by weaving in the origin stories of other comic book characters. There have been dozens of superheroes and villains worked into the script. Green Arrow, Darkseid... Uh, the show even loves to throw out nods to Spider-Man whenever it can, but two characters who are rarely mentioned are Batman and Wonder Woman. The upcoming uh, Wonder Woman feature film created a bunch of uh, red tape for using the lasso-wielding vixen. The aforementioned Batman film series reboot meant that the Dark Knight was hands-off as well. So we'll never see Clark Kent accidentally bump into Bruce Wayne, but that didn't stop writers from working in a slew of nods to the superhero legends. Gotham and Sister City... Uh, uh, Bloodhaven are mentioned in, in real towns in Smallville. In addition to multiple references to Wonder Woman universe, Linda Carter had an exciting role in Smallville as Moria Sullivan. Uh, Carter played a woman uh, who, who could mind control those infected by meteors. That's why you, you should always wear a mask outside so meteors can't fly into your mouth and infect you. <laughs> the Green Arrow was almost Aquaman, and they did have Aquaman on the show a little bit, but Alan, mm-hmm. Alan Richardson... Richson made a popular appearance in season five episode as Aquaman. The producers were so enchanted they decided to make an Aquaman pilot, but cast Justin Hartley as Aquaman instead. Go figure. Okay, hold the bus here. Shows about a young Batman and a young Superman sound fantastic, but there's a point where you go from creative backstories to Muppet Babies, and we think that point is Aquaman. Networks agreed with us, and no one wanted to pick up the Aquaman show. Seriously, one has to wonder how exasperated Network's execs were. Smallville producers pitched a Batman show, you reject it. So they come back with another show, Aquaman. <laughs> when no one an Aquaman in their book, Hartley was written back into Smallville, not as Aquaman, though. It makes you wonder what the producers won't even put a character in their own show. Hartley was revealed to be the Green Arrow, vigilante and most accurate marksman of all superheroes named Green. And he was cool. Green, Green Arrow was cool on Smallville. Yeah, absolutely. I love Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, Lois Lane was originally a bit character. With, with Lana, Lana Lex and Clark driving these shows, producers didn't feel a need to bring Lois Lane into the picture. As the story goes, they only planned to write Lois into a few episodes as a huge nod towards the Superman future. The chemistry between actress Erica Durant and Clark Kent, portray Tom Welling, prompted the show's makers to offer her a longer contract. Because of this, we've gotten a huge look at the early romantic tensions between the two, and it's been breathtaking. When we think about what Smallville could have been, it's kind of absurd. An Australian set show about Batman with Wonder Woman running around doing her best to ditch Aquaman, that's not a uh, formula that would lead to what become the longest-running North American science fiction show in history. No, the show wanted to showcase the younger, more human side of Clark Kent, and did so with all beauty of a priceless painting. Uh, tonight, the series will take a bow it deserves, for it seems that all the right choices were made. Yeah, well, very and, and very cool. And so, what do you think about what they said? I, I think a lot of the. I mean, it would have been nice to have maybe seen other superheroes, but in, in, mo- in most of those cases, I think they made the right choice. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's move into some movie news, and we're going to talk about Conan the Barbarian. And I thought what we do is we're just going to play the trailer here, okay. and, um, and then we'll kind of comment after it and read a little bit of the news story. I see a journey. A man crossing the sands. A knight. A warrior. Your path. In despair, your new master who raises the souls of the unspeakably evil. You are sought to enslave all of Hyboria. No man shall live in chains. Run from me, and I will tear apart the monster to find you. I will follow you to hell. What do you think, Miles? There's certainly a ton of action happening in this thing, right? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, not one that you're going to expect a lot of brilliant speeches or probably is not going to win an Oscar or Emmy, but if you want a good action flick, it looks pretty cool and kind of fantasy-based. Definitely fantasy-based. Now, did you watch any of the original Conan? I saw little on TV when they had, you know, when they air when those Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, but yeah, you know. never did. But I tell you what, this does remind me a little bit of Hercules, just okay. the basis of it. I think the fantasy element and the mm-hmm. fact that you ships and everything like that, the world seems kind of that with the mythical creatures mm-hmm. that are there. It looks kind of cool. Yeah, it does. I, I, you know, I think it's. I don't know if it's one I'll see in theater, but it's definitely. I'm, I'm interested in it. So here's a little bit of write up on it in the first Conan Barbarian trailer teaser we saw a couple of months ago was nothing more than a whole lot of smoke, which is okay for what's supposed to be a tease. But we were wanting more. Well, we finally got it. And here's the first, here's a theatrical trailer which we just played for you. Uh, it replaces that smoke with plenty of swords and a lot of sorcery. Check out the b- below and wonder what would Robert E. Howard think? Conan the Barbarian, I guess he's the original creator of it. Conan the Barbarian which stars Jason Momoa, as you know who, Ron Perlman, and Hellboy, oh, and as you know who, uh, Conan, Ron Perlman from Hellboy, Rose McGowan from Grindhouse, Stephen Lang from Avatar, and Rachel Nichols from G.I. Joe, The Rise of the Cobra, hits theaters August 19th, 2011. Yeah, that's too many movies this year. I think it, it is, but uh, it might, it, I think it'll definitely make, I think it even made my Netflix list already. Okay. I put it in there because I am interested in seeing it partly because I'm a huge fan of Jason from Stargate Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And so, 
That's my thought. I'm sticking to it, and we'll embed that trailer so you can kind of not only hear it, but watch it if you want in our show notes. Miles, it is time. It is time, time, time to take us into the twist. All right. Star Trek going on. So this week in Star Trek, uh, rumor CBS moving forward with uh, Star Trek Next Generation HD project. Um, the remastering of Star Trek Next Generation HD is something that has been talked about ever since uh, CBS gave the original Star Trek series the HD treatment in 06. Now a new rumor has surfaced that CBS is uh, moving forward on the project. Details below. Um, so rumor TNG and HD project moving forward. The latest news of Star Trek Next Generation comes from our friend uh, Bill Hunt at Digital Bits. It was a rumor mill post which cites source uh, hitting the TNG remastered is moving forward. According to the report, the remastered TNG would show first in Netflix in the fall, uh, in addition to their uh, TNG uh, SD offerings, and possibly on Epics as well. Uh, Trek Movie recently reported that uh, Netflix had confirmed that all seven seasons of TNG will begin streaming in July in standard definition, which will with only the Star Trek the original series and Enterprise available in HD. Digital Bits reports also, we believe a high-def uh, film scan of uh, Next Gen is very likely in the cards for the entire series, run along with uh, requisite digital upgrade effects. Of course, in addition to syndication and streaming, the end result of this might be a, a Next Generation remaster Blu-ray release down the line. That's probably enough, right? So let's talk about this. What do you think of this? I think it's pretty cool. I mean... Um, I, I think the later seasons hold up, but the early seasons was still, you know, it looks kind of has kind of looks a little dated. As long as and I heard this expression just recently, as long as they don't go all Lucas on us, right? Um, you know, with um, who shot first uh, with 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 all with the remastering and and the CGI additions, um, I think it'll look good. I mean, I think what they do with the original series. Uh, all the exterior shots were, you know, redone up to today's standards, but it wasn't too, you know, too much. And they didn't update the, the rest of it. I mean, they just cleaned it up a little bit. Um, so next gen, I don't think would need that much cleaning up per se because it's it's only been, you know, it only started back in the late eighties. You know, it'll be nice to watch it if you want to go back and rewatch. If you have some spare time and you're like on the treadmill or whatever, you watch in front of the TV. It's nice to have Star Trek streaming. It's nice to know one of the things I didn't know was. I knew they were going to bring Star Trek to Netflix. I didn't know that it would be streaming starting July. So okay. that was kind of cool. Right. Did right. you know that? No, this is news to me also. So uh, July. July we're going to get Star Trek. It sounds like the way it's worded that we get all of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So, But they will start standard but then move into HD in the fall. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, I, I, I stopped burning these darn discs of Voyager that I'm walking through. Yeah, you poor, poor DVD burner. I know. It's just like... Psh- I'm mean, eating through Voyage like no tomorrow, but loved it. Oh, great! And that time traveler episode time, that try when they go back into like 1996, right? Phenomenal. That that was a really good two part. That, that, yeah. that two part phenomenal. I loved that episode. Mm-hmm. I watched the first part and made myself wait to watch the second part, even though I had it. Uh-huh. It, was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, in other news, so in other news, um, what just give a, a plug for our friend uh, Chris Wood and his wife Charity. They re- re- have another podcast. Uh, out uh, Life After uh, Trek podcast episode nine featuring uh, Crystal Allen. Um, uh, we're pleased to announce the ninth episode of Life After 
uh, Trek podcast featuring Crystal Allen, of, uh, who you remember, uh, Crystal, from her role as uh, Dinesh in the uh, Enterprise episode Bound. Dinesh was one of the Orion slave girls used to gain control of the Enterprise and subdue uh, Captain Archer and his crew. Crystal is also involved in the Tim Russ uh, Helm film, a uh, fan film, uh, Star Trek Gods and Men, where she played a uh, conqueror, navigator, Yara. We were originally met Crystal at, at last year's uh, Starbase Indie Convention, but unfortunately ran into technical difficulties and were unable to record the interview live. Crystal was a great uh, sport and called in to provide you, you guys and gals with insight into her time spent in the Trek universe. If you haven't checked out uh, Gods and Men, be sure to do so. You can find more info uh on uh, there on uh, subspace comms and, and on the official website um, and we hope you enjoy listening to the episode as much as uh, we did recording be sure to just stop by Chris, the official Chris Allen web, website here to see what projects uh, she has in store so uh, I almost had a chance to be able to interview them with uh, interview her with with, uh, with Chris and Charity but my work schedule didn't allow oh yeah. that would have been awesome yeah I would have liked to have to be able to do that oh that would have been great and you know, oh, gods and men are certainly worthwhile. I just got done watching. You let that to me, and I, mm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought that was for for uh, independent uh, film. I thought that you know, yeah, really well enjoyed. done, really well done. And this sad news really has me excited. Uh, uh, so, and it was a big question mark, mind you. There is a big question mark on the end, but, but uh, we are excited about the possibility. Cautiously optimistic. Uh, new Star Trek animated series being planned. Um, New Star Trek the Animated Series was a strange experiment in bringing more adult-themed uh, adventure programming in the animated world. But back when it happened in the early 70s, you might assume it was the result of someone who didn't understand Star Trek thinking that it was kid stuff and somehow the Animated Series avoided being a totally dumbed-down version of the show. It was an interesting side trip into the Trek universe at a time when there was no actual live-action Star Trek out there for fans to consume. A lot like now. Uh, Paramount's Star Trek team is t- taking its sweet time about getting another movie done, and there hasn't been a Star Trek on television since the Enterprise was canceled exactly six years ago. I call that a drought. The answer to the drought could be the same as it was back in the 70s. Paramount has been uh, talking about making a new uh, uh, Trek animated series. Responding to a tweet from a Trek movie, uh, Star Trek writer uh, Bob Ortsey uh, revealed in- on his Twitter feed tonight that he's been talking about putting together an animated uh, Trek. Just exactly who who he's been uh, talking to about remains a little unclear, based on the context of the conversation. It's either something he's been mulling over with the Star Trek co-writer Alex Kurtzman, or or something he uh, and Alex have uh, been talking along with uh, Trek uh, rights holders Paramount and CBS. Either way, I like the thought process. Bottom line, even if they actually do get it around to uh, making another movie. Star Trek really needs to get back on television. Live action hasn't really worked, but animation could. Here's the best uh, thing about doing animation. They could actually set this thing in the original series in the same way the 1973 animated series was. Maybe even draw the characters look like the original characters who portrayed them. Give give me William Shatner's uh, young Kirk Shatner, or Spock, who could always be played by Leonard Nimoy. Resurrect DeForest Kelly and James Dewan to play McCoy and Scotty in the animated form. <laughs> uh, let these characters live on forever, and I'm a, and I'm a happy uh, Trek fan. As long as the, the, they gear it towards adults and use this as a way to smart science fiction, the possibilities are endless. This needs to happen. If you've ever seen the original Star Trek, the animated series, CBS actually made a, most of the 22 episodes available online for free. The animation is actually fairly impressive for the 70s, and the, guys, and, and the quality has been cleaned up for series' recent DVD release. Yeah, wow. So DVD release. I wonder if Netflix has them. I bet they do. I'm not sure. Um, I'll have to check that out then. But that sounds awesome. I'm excited about that, actually. That would be cool. My son might like that. Yeah. So a great uh, way to introduce him into Trek and bring him into the Trek universe. But uh, the, the, the sky's the limit what they could do there. I mean, they could go... 
I don't know if they would do the JJ verse because I think they won't, they're not sure what they're doing with that still. I just wanted to resurrect James Doohan. Nah. Well, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, uh, his son Chris Doohan has um, provided his voice voice talents um, for uh, when, when Farragut did their original. I was going to say, and uh, hey, you have some animation out there. Why not use some of the uh, Farragut crew? Now they're probably going to want to update the animation. That's It'd my be, guess. Yeah, I mean, they aren't going to use the old style. You know, it, it, it. I mean, it was good for its time. And it's it's fun to watch. But it's for nostalgic reasons, but. Um, they really need to update it for today's standards. And they could even go, um, not that I've always watched all of it, but um, Star Wars The Clone Wars, the, the CGI animated series, that's worked out very well for them. Yeah, what, well, they're in season three or four? Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, it's, it's done real well. And who knows, if we get three or four seasons of Trek out of that, that's a good that's a good run. So, like I said, the sky's the limit what they could do, and I, I hope they can pull it off. Awesome. Well, Miles, thank you so much for sharing this week in Trek. And before we go into our Benita Frederici interview, which we'll introduce in a moment, let's listen to another promo. And this promo is for the Chronic Rift. We don't often talk about our friends at the Chronic Rift, but we met John two years ago at Shore Lane, mm-hmm. uh, who's done his own fair writing as a teacher and is a fabulous podcaster. They do tons of great interviews right. all across the sci-fi spectrum. Um, so this is the promo for the Chronic Rift podcast. And make sure you check them out. Okay, guys, I found him. John, what are you doing? I'm just playing around with some of the features on my editing program. Look, John, this is a podcast, not a TV show. Why don't you just keep it simple this time? I keep it simple. No, you don't. We had a perfectly good show with news, reviews, and a roundtable discussion, and you kept turning it into a circus. The alien attack for a season finale? The live episodes? The musical? I never got to do the musical. And you won't either. For the love of God, how many times do you want this show to jump the shark? But keep it simple. Simple. Yeah, man, don't mess around with what works. All right, right. I wouldn't have it any other way. Hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. Well, Miles, we are about ready to launch into our Benita Federici interview, Mm -hmm. and wow, what a wonderful lady. She was. She was a sweetheart. Down to earth, and uh, we, of course, are giving away her photo as far as as our prize pack, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's signed by both, isn't it? Um, Well, she she gave us a picture of herself um, when, when when she was aboard in that Enterprise episode. Oh well, that was, yeah, and oh, she gave us one that where, where her husband, uh, it's with her husband John Billingsley. So that is a cool prize. That's, that's yeah, a really double nice. signature. We we need to mention that that's double a, signature. Double signature. This would be really nice for your yeah. collection. Anyways, we uh, just to be honest, this is an interview we're sharing with you. We were a part of the process, um, but we didn't actually get a part. Uh, we didn't ask a lot of questions in here. Most of the questions are asked by Wayne and by Paul, who are part of the Balticon and a part of Sci-Fi Pulse. Mm-hmm. And Nick from, I forget the name of the magazine, was in there interviewing. So you hear a lot of other voices. And um, I kind of edited it all together just to kind of share this interview and bring this to you. What are your plans for the future? 
Well, I was going to get a good champagne buzz going on at my sister's wedding, followed by a nice extra long slow dance with my date. <laughs> Vocationally speaking? Oh, that? No, nothing. Nothing lined up just yet. How would you feel about working on the new Intersect project? Your government has been rebuilding its own Intersect. You've shown real promise. We'd like you to be an analyst. Your country is calling you, Mr. Bartowski. Uh, well, then I think my country might have the wrong number, because I'm just Chuck Bartowski, not a hero. Very well. I guess that concludes Project Bartowski. Colonel Casey, please issue Mr. Bartowski his final papers before you and your special forces team ship out to Waziristan. Agent Walker. Hi, Benito. Hi. Good to meet you. Right here. Oh, Patrick, nice to meet you. Wayne. Nice to meet you, sir. Is that hard? I'm going to shoot that guy. Is that Paul? Paul, nice to meet you. It's hard because you've done it. I'm so I can mention, so I'm never quite sure. Where's your drive? I still was going to ask you, I thought you'd get that. Laurie, are you? 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 Thank you. <laughs> I'm taking her home. She's coming home with me. And I'm Scott Hertzog. This is Seth. Oh, very nice to meet you. So, Chuck, how, how much fun is it working on Chuck? What is Chuck? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta mess with you. Um, <clears throat> is, it, is it weird always being on a video monitor? Like, are, do you film at the same time as everybody else, or do they have you... It's changed. It's more... Like they anything. shoot you in a room and then send you home and shoot with everybody else? Or? Well, there was a time in the first season where I suggested I just take my cell phone and shoot myself at home and just email it to everybody. <laughs> it really has changed a lot. I mean, the first season... Uh, was the the truncated thirteen episodes? I had my partner Tony Todd, and because Tony is six foot five and I'm five foot three, um, they put us. It was essentially we were supposed to be combative. They were going to do this thing where it was CIA NSA. It just never developed, and I think part of it was the truncated season, and also because the show has so many characters. I don't think in developing it they knew how to develop. Yeah, I don't even remember this character. He was, he was the director of the CIA. I'm supposed to be the director of the NSA. Somehow, I kind of am both. And so we tend to call it the agency because I'll go, I'm, I'm not CIA, guys. I actually am NSA. So we kind of blended. But when they shot the two of us, I would be on, like, five cushions on my chair to get me up higher. And he would be leaning on the desk like this so they could fit us into the same frame. And then, back then, they used to shoot all these like long distance shots and stuff like that they didn't just do it on the monitor and then basically they kind of got rid of his character and it became more and more me and they started to develop the idea of this monitor and then they developed the idea that wow the monitor I can pop up on any computer screen and I think they were having fun with that yeah, like in uh, reminds me of Get Smart, the the one agent that would always be hiding in like everything. They'd like open a garbage can, and you'd be like, "Oh hey." Well, I was just saying, this reminds me kind of like a blend, a contemporary blend of Get Smart and Alias. Oddly enough, um, I actually like it a lot better than I like the Alias. <laughs> I don't know the Alias. Well, it depends on whether you want to watch a show. It, it depends on if you want the show to take itself seriously. This show does not take itself seriously. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's what I like about it, is that it's, it's fun, and it, it seems like you guys really enjoy your work. Is it, is it fun to work on? Or I'm is glad, it? yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a blast. And for me, it got better because <clears throat> the second season, um, at first, it was just, and they were doing this in the first season, too, it was just me at my desk. And we have a huge joke because my office 
goes everywhere. It ends up on stage four, it ends up on stage ten, it ends up in craft services. Every day I would go in and go, guys, where am I? And you hear me wandering around. I have to try to find my crew. It's like, am I in here? Where am I? I can't Sometimes it would just be a flag. And one day I walked in and it was just a, a cardboard table. You know, one of the, it was like, is this government budget cuts? I mean, seriously? I have a plastic table. Um, I've gone on location and they'll just have like the books behind me. It's like minimalist. There were some budget cuts on the show during that period, and that I honestly was very hard on both for both of us because for me they would usually shoot my well they would always shoot my stuff first so they could then project it on the screen and have them talking to it and shoot that. But if you think about it, I would have uh, somebody reading board reading their lines for me, not in character. So it may be a scene where Chuck is very emotional, but what I have is someone sitting there going like this, and I respond to it. So for one thing, I don't know what they're going to do, so I can't have an emotional reaction to it, so you can't do any intercutting with me. Um, for another thing, I thought it was pretty lame because of that. For the other thing, this person reading with me is not doing the tempo that any of the actors, they're not doing the grunts Casey does, they're not doing any of this stuff, you know, because they're learning their characters, and their characters are changing, and I'm not getting to see it, which is why I watch every episode, because I needed to know what was going on. Um, but when they would put it up on the screen, it wasn't timing out right for them. I would say something, and they would try to fit their lines in, and either there'd be like these gaping holes, or they, and so, um, two guys on their hiatus, Casey and Ben, figured out how to do this kind of, it's called Beckman Live, where I can run over and I sit at my desk and they have a video camera on me and it pumps it into the other room. So what I do goes out to them. It's still, I can't watch them because I still have to look down the camera, but at least they have a little screen so I can sort of get an orientation of what they're doing. So I now go in and I, we, I work with them for the scene over there we work together and I'm always there and then when I'm on camera they're, they're over there for me and it just has made it all of a sudden if you ever watch them you'll start seeing it, there's a lot more intercutting back and forth I'm reacting to what they're doing all of a sudden I'm having opinions and I'm under you know and it, that was you know so that was the, the progression so you actually are at the same time acting that they're all acting too or yeah so you know and still now when I'm sitting at my desk I have to do it more I can only hear them because we tried one have, like a monitor set up because then you won't be looking at the right spot yeah we tried we tried it once you can I've seen that episode and it's funny I'm looking down it's just slight but the camera the the thing that I can look at is down here and it just it just doesn't have the same we also tried the, we experimented with me having different uh, marks to hit for where the different characters are standing is if I'm shifting it doesn't work I can do it I remember because I do work with them I can remember and shift my eyes gently but if you do it like this it doesn't look right either so we threw that at I mean it's all trial and error I mean the whole thing the day I had to yell out hey guys do I turn myself on <laughs> yeah I got a big laugh but that's true it's like how does Beckman I mean the other day I thought it was funny yesterday I was yeah there's no like switch or, or console in front of you it's just a desk well there is I do have like you never see it though I have like a little computer board oh because it's under the camera yeah but the idea is that, but that's why I do this kind of loping gesture is that I turn myself on and I turn myself off I mean I was experimenting day before yesterday because uh, in this next episode I pop into um, Chuck's television set I do this I pop onto everyone's monitors but someone you can't leave props around me because I'll use them someone left like a little TV 
clicker remote <laughs> next to me. And my camera guys loved it. It was like, oh, I should turn his TV on. I turn his TV on. That, that, that got a cut. What are you doing? Why she got that thing? Okay, sorry. Just trying something funny there. So that didn't um, that didn't go over well. So you guys were just shooting the day before yesterday. Yeah. You guys are still in production on the season? Oh, yeah, we're in production until April 14th. Oh, wow. We got two extra episodes. We got it back 11. So, is there any teachers you can give us? Timothy Dalton and Linda Hamilton are coming back. Nice. (laughs) Excellent. Okay, thank you. Oh, I know, I love them. I think they're they're quite. I I love this. It's the next episode is Timothy Dalton coming back, and he's very funny. He's got a little Hannibal Lecter going. I always liked him, and then he was in Hot Fuzz, and. He was hilarious, and now now on Chuck, he's also really funny. Like I didn't know before Chuck that he could be like that consistently funny. Like and he's trying to be the bad guy, but he's still like. Yeah, I didn't understand. You know, you forget when someone is a very very gifted actor, just how broad their range is, and that so much of what we see on TV and film is that compartmentalizing. You know, well, you guys know my husband, right? We talk about this because he, yes, he's Doctor Flox, which is great. But by and large, he plays mostly serial killers and child molesters and like this evil, <laughs> nerd, nerd guy. It's like, so you sort of think that's his range. My husband's extremely funny. He also, I mean, he. Yeah, did I always, a, I always think of the doctor. I never think of like the the evil guy of the week on the on the serial killer shows. I think of Doctor Flox. I think of him being funny and. Well, it's funny that because I saw him do a one man. We both did one person shows about six years ago, and he was I was playing an evil middle school teacher. Um, the audience was my class. Um, it's called Miss Margarita's Way. It's kind of a funny piece. But uh, uh, John was doing a one man show about uh, Ambrose Beers, the writer who was very bitter and and uh, was in the Civil War, and he was stunning. I mean, just the depth and the gravitas, and I mean, there's so much that he can bring to something like that that you just don't see in the other work, and I think that's what's interesting with Timothy Dalton is, I mean, I, I just, that's why I just sit there with my mouth open, because he's so committed to his character, and yet, and because he's so committed, it becomes really funny. So, who's the goofball on set? Me. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody. Well, it seems like everybody would be on the show, which is another reason is, that it's, but I'm, it's I'm, so attractive. I'm very proud. I think I'm growing into my. Now that I feel that I have the freedom to, and not hopefully not get fired. Um, and <laughs> I mean, it's a no-brainer when you sit at the desk. There, the things that you can just, you know, have at your desk so that they quietly film and then they show them when the cast and crew watches the, the episodes and stuff like that. They're now starting to sneak in pictures of me with, like, pencils sticking out of my ear. <laughs> um, and, you know, the I think it was the second season, the makeup crew was very tired, all the gals, and it was late at night, so they asked me if I would put, like, toilet paper coming out of the back of my skirt as if I had pulled my skirt up in the bathroom and forgot <laughs> to take it out and walk, just walk around. So I said, sure, you know, no problem there. And I did, and it was funny because the nicest person on the set is a stand-in named John. No one else said anything to me. They just started laughing. John ran up to me and said, you were totally people. <laughs> 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 and then he went, oh, you know. <laughs> um, Zach is pretty funny. Zach is always funny. Zach sings a lot, too. Zach tends to pick his nose. Uh, okay. not um, one minute warning. But not really pick his nose. Just pick <laughs> his nose for the camera. Um... Yvonne is... Yeah, actually, you're right. Everybody's pretty wacky. It, it seems like that would be part of the magic that makes the show 
like as watchable it is, is, is everybody seems like they, they have a great time doing their job. Well, and it's a really great crew, too, I have to say. We like all the directors. They're all kind of family now, too. And they're all, yeah, it's, it's, the okay. guys are really careful, though. They know you guys, look. everyone looks for, for all the stuff they get laying out there. Yeah. Continuity. <laughs> we know, I got in trouble because someone uh, gave me, she had worked for the NSA, and she gave me an NSA coffee cup, and I thought, I, I said, sure, I'll, I'll use it on the show. So I used it on the show, and the prop guys were like, oh, this is great, it's a real cup, and then it turns out you can't use anything on TV with the actual logo. They have to adjust it just a little bit. You know, one of my friends actually worked for the NSA, and they wanted to take you on a guided tour of the NSA. They were trying to get in touch with you to see if you could go on a tour down there. I'd go. That's what I said. I said, if I, I'll mention the tour and see what she says. But, yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> But they, they wanted to say, we will have to take her down there. Of course, Adam was supposed to be here, too, and they wanted to take both of you down there, which I thought. That would be really interesting because Adam is so, is so embedded in military. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But, uh, but, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm curious about is that uh, regarding Chuck is that this is a show that's basically for nerds. You know, this is all about... I beg your pardon. <laughs> you well, might think it's a show that's basically yeah. for nerds going, yes, sir. <laughs> but the, the thing that's interesting is a lot of the, the people that I know are the biggest fans of the show like to call themselves nerds and then they identify with Chuck and they identify with the, 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 the you know his ability to participate and now he's grown into an agent and things like that that he's actually become sort of their hero and do you, I was just wondering is that a unique experience or have you found other fans that feel that way? First of all I think everybody is secretly a nerd everyone has to contact their inner nerd so although Perhaps we'd have more than five million fans if that were true. Um, yes and no. I find it interesting. I think for some people, uh, Chuck becoming more skilled as a, a spy is kind of like they kind of miss a little bit of his nerdishness, which I think is why bringing Morgan up to be the next Chuck is kind of a, a brilliant move. So you still have that person. Um, yes. Well, I don't know. It's funny. I think there's so much to identify with it in that show and I do think the idea that you know in your own mythology if you can find your own inner intersect and download it you can be you can find your inner spy um, is kind of a nice thought I do you know I find that a lot of families though actually watch the show and I don't know if it's people who are nerds with families or everybody who has a family but the idea that you can watch a show with your kids has been said to me over and over again because the values are in the right place I mean to me what's so universal about it is it's about loyalty and friendship and if people who have more of a nerdish streak in them really understand those values more than other people who've had an easier time of it then you know I'd salute that even more um, and you know I, I think uh, people watch it because it's got some very interesting um role models, particularly talking with women, women like it because all the women on it are strong. I mean, it's, you know, the woman. Including your character. I mean, your character sort of is the, as we talked about the nerd herders and stuff like that, that your character is one of the ones that's guiding what's happening. And so that that's a very good role for, for young girls to see, I think, to, to see your character who enjoys what she's doing and enjoys being in charge to do those kinds of things. Well, I, do, I think it's funny. I, I mean, I rather like it and, you know, one doesn't always have to play all the colors. I rather like it that she's very professional about her job. She isn't emotional about what she's doing. She gets a little upset and it's underneath. But basically, it's, you know, she can nuke the world, so she better respond to that. And, you know, having researched stuff on women in the military, you know, the first uh, one-star gen female general was in the 19 late 1970s. Um, and 
uh, Anne Dunwoody, whose name is used in this last episode. Dunwoody is the name of one of the characters. The writers were very good about that. She was the one that was just nominated uh, for, I think, three stars by Bush several years ago. I mean, and so women are just really starting to be a part of the military. And I think that's kind of, that is inspirational and that they're uh, addressing that. And then you also have Ellie as a doctor and she's a very competent doctor. And the mother is a super spy and Yvonne Strahovski is a super spy. And every girlfriend Chuck has, whether they're good or bad, Rachel Bilson ran her own very successful deli. I mean, the guys are the ones that need a little help. <laughs> but I think that's kind of, that's fun, too. I mean, it kind of reflects, you know, guys when they're younger sometimes they are a little more lost, you know. Well, I'd be curious to, to know what the reaction on the set was when, when Chuck was sort of on the bubble at the end of one of the seasons and, the, and this campaign started to buy Subway sandwiches to show support for the show. Were you guys aware of all that that was going on? Well, I am. I'm sorry. I, I um, because of because of going to conventions with John, my husband. Um, I was very aware from the beginning of Chuck that there were everyone at the conventions was like, I love that show. You know, I had said uh, in brief passing to Josh and Chris, I said, you know, this show has a huge fan support, and they were like, really? Uh huh. And then I think they started showing up at Comic Con and stuff like that, and going, oh wow, it really does. And I think. Um, I mean, so that stuff, I'm always very aware of people sort of will tell me, hey, you know, there's a subway campaign. I, I think pretty quickly the producers, executive producers and producers of Chuck were aware of it. And, you know, Zach did that wonderful thing in London where he took all the fans to a subway and made sandwiches for all of them. I love them. How do you feel reading the scripts and stuff for the, the program? I mean, do you find it unpredictable? Do you, are you surprised by the things that they do with your character? And Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you don't mind a spoiler, you know, walking along and all of a sudden one of the sound guys says, have you read the episode? And it's like, what? You've got a rocket launcher. It's like, <laughs> what? I'm doing what? Um, so, so, yes, it, it, we are not, I don't think anyone is any, particularly privy to where they're, what directions they're going with with the writing. So, do you get much input on your character? I mean, do you get to go into well, yeah, like see my character goes in such a direction. I don't do that. You don't do that. No, either. I just got made a series regular this year. So you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's funny. I think I watched John on Enterprise try to address some things with his character, and you know, usually it's just too hard because when you have a stable of writers and they're trying to write so quickly, it's kind of like they take the tropes. You know, somehow I say that is all. I have no idea why I say that is all. It's just someone picked it up from someone else who picked it up. And then it begins. So you just say, okay, well, that's now a part of me and who I am. I, I, and I come from theater, and in theater, you interpret a play. I can't change the play unless I'm working with the playwright, but talking about that playwright, some of them don't even change. Right, right. <laughs> um, no, so my job is to take what's on the page and make it fit. So how does it feel being one of the TV people? You know, you like in the uh, Poltergeist. I think wasn't it the TV oh. people? There, you're inside the television now, popping up in different places. Do you like that in, in, in development of your character? I don't have to hit marks. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's fun. I actually, I think it's kind of genius. I don't know. I like it. I love it when I get to be around on my feet and get to act with people. I mean, that's there's nothing better than than getting to go back and forth with somebody. It's hard to sit by yourself. And even though I now get the interaction with people, it's it's hard. It's funny, Yvonne came over to, my, they come visit me, you know. <laughs> she came over when I was shooting my side of something. She was, you know, she was, they even done the camera. 
I said, yeah. She goes, you just bad all that stuff. And I said, yeah. She goes, well, that's really different. And I said, it is. You know, it's just... Finally, what, what is good for me is I know the guy who sits behind the camera, so I know his face. And for a little while there, people tended to forget I was shooting over there, so they'd be having, like, conversations, action, and there'd be people having conversations behind the camera guy, and I'd be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm working. People would be walking by doing this back there, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really distracted. <laughs> so now my camera guy, he shushes everybody away and stuff like that, but... Um, I have just said that what I would like to see happen um, is uh, like the remake of The Ring that Beckman crawls out of the screen mm-hmm. and menaces everything. <laughs> Evil Beckman. Yeah. The twin sister. Angela Beckman. Um, your character is a uh, is, is a how many star general? Or do we that's, know? A, that's a that's a point of bitterness with me. Actually, I am a one star general, a brigadier general, Adam Baldwin. I've learned it. I would like to be a two star general, a major general, Adam Baldwin. You've taught me. Yeah. But um, she's in charge of the NSA. She this is, and apparently, sometimes the CIA sometimes, too. Sometimes, yes. <clears throat> this is this is groundbreaking. Oh, and you're saying in re- well, in real yeah. life, there yeah. are female generals. I, there is not a female yeah. director of the NSA. Right. So this is this is kind of groundbreaking in, in that respect. Yes. And, you know, do you want to? Obviously, you want to see her get a promotion to. I've been trying for years. Yes. To major general. Yeah, every time they, they, I get promoted in the script, it disappears. I'm not sure who's got it out for me. And someone called me to, yeah, you're talking to a two-star general, but that line disappeared. It's like, yeah, I heard you on an earlier interview said that sometimes you wind up in the craft service. Uh, that was area. a particularly sad <laughs> little moment because it was the craft service area on stage four. I guess they just totally ran out of room on that episode. So there was my, my desk was sort of smashed back there. And then there were like 30 crew people in the actual corner of the room, if you can imagine, that kind of stacked up on top of each other, trying desperately to like move their arms and things like that. Yeah, that was, that was, it was like six o'clock in the morning, too. Wow. Well, you can shoot my stuff pretty quickly if you have to. Now, I, I pulled the, uh, the, the mature women in my tribe, and they have all agreed that Jean Larroquette is absolutely to die for. The mature women. Yes. Hmm, is that what we're called now? Yes. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Um, what was it like to make out with John Larroquette? <laughs> I'm sitting in a room full of guys. Just <laughs> okay, I'm back in, so you're safe. Oh, thank you. I feel better now. It was dreamy. Um, well, uh, honestly, I was having a little... I just was in extremely high heels. He's six foot five and I'm five foot three. And I was supposed to be, you don't see it, but I was in very tight spy garb because it was supposed to be in the 80s. And they gave me like kind of six inch heels. And I was walking on a wet and sort of uneven street. And the first couple of times I was trying to walk up to him and put a gun to his head, I kind of felt, kind of would wobble back down a little bit the hill. So finally a prop guy came over and he goes, you trying to hold your gun like really cool because it doesn't look right and I was like no I'm just trying to get up toward his head I can't reach it and <laughs> <laughs> a discussion about that um, but I think John Larroquette is a very handsome man and I think he's an extremely good actor and I was delighted to work with him I won't get into the personal specifics of no, so no jealousy at home from your husband no John of course not <laughs> good lord in heaven he owes me he was on true blood he was naked at night <laughs> 
smearing chocolate cake in places I'm not going to describe. <laughs> Amongst many other things. Now, um, Chuck has, one of the things that I love about it is every season it evolves. It gets deeper, the story changes. It's not a typical TV show where they try to keep everything the same. You know, season after season, it's they're, they're just say, saying the same thing, telling the same story. That's <laughs> CSI, I know. What? Yeah. How's that done well? You know, yes. But um, do, you, do you think that you're going to run into problems just keeping that going? Where, you know, you, when Jeff and Sarah are like eight well, years old? Or well, <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's, just, it's, you know. You're a really good spy. Ne- next season, it's going to be about the baby and about Chuck and Sarah getting married, and then they're going to have their baby, and, you know, and, and, you know, what happens when the kids are in, you know, high school? You know, what do, do you ever see them running out of Apparently not. Or? You just described a whole lot of their stuff there. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I have no idea. The way these guys, I, I've said this to Chris Fedak, their brains are just wild. I mean, I love, did you guys see at Comic-Con that, that uh, little bit they did uh, after he did the Chuck? Uh, Chuck saying, I, "Guys, I know kung fu." Yeah. And then they had Chris Fedak beating his head in this Darth Vader thing after it got picked up, saying, "Why did you have me say I know kung fu a lot? You know, to write for that." So, <laughs> I would imagine they would they have they would not run out of some sort of ideas for this because they've always blended it between the people living their lives and what happens in the spy world and I think they would shake figure out a way to shake both of those up and find another mixture I'm hoping and then you can always have like Beckman like just carry her desk around with her whenever you (laughs) just make a whole season of Beckman live where she just yells at people around the world I I like the fact that there's no foreshadowing usually about when she's going to show up on set as opposed to on it's like at the beginning of an episode you'll be on the screen there's no mention that you're coming out to to LA and then at the end of the episode you show up in person or in the middle uh, they're trying to find ways which I really appreciate trying to find ways they talk about this all the time of getting me out of that if they can and I think I mean, that's, that delighted me the episode where it's like eh I just decided I'm going to come here and give you your orders in person I, I yes I mean, well she's got her own agenda she's got to have her own plane right I mean She's a general. She, yeah, well, I invited her on. Uh, that was kind of interesting little moment where I, one episode I invited her on a ride on my plane. <laughs> <laughs> what are your hopes for your character on the show? My hopes and my dreams. You know, really, I would like to get to use a bullwhip. You used a rocket launcher. <laughs> I did. And a gun. Wow. I did. Yeah. But can't you see her with a bullwhip on <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Every good woman should have one. Yeah. I know, right? And I think that's a perfect place to end the interview. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I love that. Getting the job with Chuck. Yes. How did you get that job? Did you audition? Did they come to you? Oh, yeah. They, they called me on the phone. Benita, <laughs> we got a job. right here. off stage, right? Uh, well, I don't know if you're aware of this. I am not in the pilot. That is not me. Wow. That is not I. Sorry okay. for that anyway. Yeah. That is a, 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 another actress um, who, ironically, Wendy McKenna played. My husband and I were both on a show. He was serious regular. I played his evil wife on it. But the show called The Nine. Sure. And Wendy McKenna became his love interest at the end of uh, 
the 13 episodes, sure. which never aired. Um, so uh, it was between Wendy and myself. I auditioned. We both auditioned. And it was between the two of us. We actually are sort of similar similar physically. We're both redhead yeah. and, and short. And they went, apparently, according to the casting guys, they went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And they finally settled on Wendy. And then she shot the pilot. And nice. then I got a call and they said, hey... Come on out. Yeah, yeah. Come out and play. And so I said, well, sure. What did you think of your character at the point that they were auditioning you to, to do this? Oh, I loved it. I thought Good. it was really... Oh, I love strong women characters. Yeah. Oh. Well, I can tell you what I did two days ago. Sure. See, I have a hair gown. Now, when you do... When you, I have a helmet on the show, and in order to get that helmet, one has to back tease hair, which makes it stand straight up on your head a la uh, Elsa Lanchester in Yeah, Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein, sure. And my hair gown has always wanted me to have to go in for the rehearsal with my hair like that. And so the opportunity arose two days ago. So I walked on set with my hair standing straight up on my head on all these things flowing through it. Everybody's camera came out. There were just pictures being taken right and left. And then Zach looked at me and went, nice. And I said to the director, it's done. I'm ready. I'm camera ready. (laughs) That's fantastic. Now for you with theater, um, You've done a lot of theater. Is there a particular play that you would like to do or a role in theater that you would like to uh, have? Yeah, it's funny because from time to time I think there isn't anymore. But I was offered, and I I just didn't think the circumstances were right, to do uh, Amanda in the Glass Menagerie. Oh, sure. And I happen to really, really love that play. sure. Although I just saw Geraldine... I can't remember. I just had a brain fart. But the gal just did it at the table. It was so brilliant. I don't yeah. know. Then I start going, why do it? I mean, it's been done in a way that's just brilliant. I would also do any Chekhov. Fantastic, yeah. Do you like musicals as well? If I could sing, I would love them. Right. <laughs> well, I love watching them, but you would not hire me. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yes. Yeah. Are you yourself a fan of any of the sci-fi horror uh, genre that's out there on television? Have you ever been a fan of any of that yourself? I do. I watch it. Like I was saying, we got a little tangled with it at the end, but uh, my husband and I did manage to go through all seven seasons of Battlestar. Oh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, that's something I didn't even do. I did more a little bit here and there. No. And like you all were talking about the last episode, I was like, I don't get it, but... But you got to do it. You've seen it, so. And I, we watched the first season of Lost. Okay. Again, you know, it's kind of a busman's holiday when you're working and stuff. And I'm sure you guys all experience that too. Sometimes it's sure. really hard to make a date. We tend to wait and get the DVDs to things so we can watch it. That's more. the way. That's the the realm of the world now. Yeah, getting the DVDs. John Billingsley, your husband. Yes. Oh my God, Doctor Flox from the Enterprise. Hello. How is it living and being with a gentleman that you're both acting, you're both in genre things, and you do conventions all the time? Tell me a little bit about you guys coming out and sharing the stage with conventions. That's fantastic. That's, as he would say, that it actually has developed over the years. I just went. We, he got the show when we had just moved in together and then got married, which was like 10 years ago. Because he got the show, right? I mean, come on now. That's yeah, like, hello. Yeah. I don't listen to him. Now I'll marry you. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, of course, it's all about that. Yeah, um, uh, but, you know, he would go to these conventions and I wanted to spend more time with him. I feel it's how you strengthen a relationship That's and I found it really yeah. interesting. But what happens is I can't keep my mouth shut. You may have noticed that. So, you know, you're, you're at a question and answer and your husband's fabricating. You have to say, not so. I mean, this is kind of talking about yeah. Warlock having gas, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> not calling the channel, 
black. <laughs> to Paul farting on set, right? Yeah, but it's also my husband. Like, you, yeah. you can match her any day. So, <laughs> so it sort of evolved into the two of us, like giving each other a very, very hard time, which we both like. You yeah. Know? That's our thing. Is is if we can entertain and give a lot more energy. I've seen a little of the YouTube stuff of you guys together. I wish I could see it live, but I really have it, not. Well, it's quite, it's quite. But anyway, that was the evolution of, of that. We, love, we also we've gotten to work together quite a bit. And we we love that. He's a Good. spectacular actor. Good. Yeah, he is. Well, you both are. Oh, thank you. Well, what is your next convention? And tell me about coming out to conventions. I mean, meeting the fans, signing for fans. You've been doing it for a little while. What's that experience like for you? And shared with your husband to come out and do it. Well, as we say, what is nicer than having people who appreciate what you're doing and want to like have you sign things because they appreciate what you bring into their lives? I mean, you don't get that uh, a lot in your occupation yeah. of work, and to know that it makes some difference to people is just stunning. And the- I want you to mention your website. Uh, tell us a little bit about your causes, how fans can get a hold of you for your causes, and then I'll, uh, that's it. I'll get you to sign a couple things. I wouldn't go to my website right now. It's, oh. I, it's Work a, in progress? Yeah, I just never think about people visiting places like that. <laughs> so I, I really actually... It's, it's sort of old. Oh, <laughs> like me. No. Um, you can go to net okay. actually, which has a lot of our information on it. And, uh, and you're our, talking about PETA and things like that. Yeah, and I'm on Gary with that too. We have a little puppy, and yeah, we know. Oh, good. I mean, a lot of what I support in PETA is that their main thing is just spay and neuter. Good. Right now. Good. Um, which I have no. I think it's the way to go. Fantastic. And also, aid service center. Good. In Pasadena. What would you say to your readers and fans? Keep watching, please. We love doing the show, and we love that you love it. G'day, I'm Dave Gray. Are you a new show or a relatively new show that's trying to make your podcast sound great? Then you need to listen to Podcasters Emporium, a podcast that's by podcasters for podcasters. We'd be happy for you to join our community and be a part of what we call Podcasters Emporium. Join myself and James Williams as we explore podcasting and all its greatness. You can check out the show at podcastersemporium.com. Well, you just heard from our last promo, and our last promo was from Podcasters Emporium, which is a podcast that's dedicated to all sorts of things, podcasting, and they're on the Lifestyle Pod Network, mm-hmm. so check them out. Miles, we got to get out of here, but we always have our Sci-Fi 5 and 5, and tonight's no different, and this is a Sci-Fi 5 and 5 that deals with my top five science fiction mantras. Okay, when I say mine, one of them is actually from you, because I was stuck after my fourth one, but I want to share my top five. And I would say that these are pretty much in order, maybe. Some people may disagree with my order, but I like this order. And they're ones that I've meant to me I've gone back to at different points in my life and have just enjoyed. So these are my top five most inspirational quotes or mantras, as I call them. Number one is a litany against fear um, a, a, that is an incantation used by the Bene Gesserit in Dune. So and the, the, the litany is this. I must not fear. Fear is a mind killer. Fear is a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it's gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. And where fear is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Interesting. 
So I like that one. That's a pretty good one. Oh, yeah. My number two is a Jedi code based on the meditation of, of Odin Orr. Odin Orr was a long-lived uh, Drathos male who served as a Jedi master in the Jedi and a Jedi librarian during the height of the Galactic Republic. Um, and here it, here's the saying, and you've heard different variations of this, but this is the one I pulled. There's no emotion. There is peace. There's no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is a force. That, 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 that is a cool uh, That's saying. a cool little mantra. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. This next one is not really a mantra per se, but I love what Gandalf says. This is a uh, quote between Gandalf and Frodo in the Minds of Moria and Fellowship of the Ring. And Frodo says at one point, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And he responds with such a poignant quote about the hand that we're dealt with in life sometimes. And he said, Gandalf says, so do all who live to see such times, but that's not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time given to us. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was pretty good. And my, and, my la- and my number four is from Contact the Movie. And I don't remember this is in the book. I did read the book at one time. But Palmer Joss says at one point, what I'm asking is, are we happier as a human race? Is the world fundamentally a better place because of science and technology? We shop at home. We surf the web. At the same time, we feel emptier, lonelier, and more cut off from each other than at any other time in history. Oh, that's very poignant. So it is. I mean, people might disagree with it, but I like that quote. It's what I've gone back to. And the last one, of course, is from you, Miles. And this is risk. Risk is our business. That's what the Starship's all about. And that's why we board, we're a border. And it's from the episode Return to Tomorrow, yeah. Captain Kirk. To me, that just it sums up you know so much of what Star Trek is about is just uh, the exploration of the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, so that's my sci-fi five and five. That, that's a very good list, guys. So you have to come up with your quotes. Okay, I'll, my, my top five sci-fi. Yeah, so it won't be for next week because we have one mm-hmm. from Brady Harding. I think a long time ago sent one in, and so we're about ready to give that one sci-fi five and five. Mm-hmm. As always, if you have your sci-fi five and five, you can email them to us sci-fi diner podcast at gmail Call them in at one eight eight. 508-4343, or just attach an MP3 to an email. And you can get all that information to us. This is it for episode 99. The next time we do a regular Sci-Fi Diner podcast, Miles, it's going to be episode 100. Oh, man. That's episode a- 100. Yeah. And it's going to be a sweet time. And it may be a little bit of a different show as we kind of reflect back on the past 100 years of the episode episodes of the <laughs> past 100 episodes. It seems like 100 years sometimes. No, just kidding. The content. Yeah, the content and... So excited to have you along for the ride. Please, if you want to call in and leave us your well wishes, if you want to call in and give us your favorite moment, we'll put you in a drawing. We'll put you in a drawing. Remember those three great prizes, folks. Yep. Uh, what are they again, Miles? Um, third prize is a uh, uh, Mercury Man poster. Second prize is that um, um, that double signature signed print of uh, Brynia Fiasi and John Billingsley. And the, the first prize is a $100 gift card from ThinkGeek. Absolutely awesome. You want that. So give us your favorite moment from the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And that's it. We're out. Good night and good luck. Playing with her jewelry, she's putting up her hair.